0: Today, uh, our, our sermon is entitled, Where is Your Hope? It's going to be from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. This week, and, and for much of the summer, we'll be continuing through 1 Peter. We're still in the first chapter this week, though, obviously. Uh, last week, we saw how Peter spent the opening part of his letter encouraging the scattered church in what has been done for them. He outlined how the Trinity, the Father, Spirit, and Son were at work in the life of the believer. He rooted them in the truth of God's provision for them. He rooted them in the truth of what, he, what has been done for them. Today we'll be looking at how Peter roots the works of the Christian and the future of the Christian in the hope of the Christian. May we continue to be encouraged by the words of Peter to a scattered and hurting church as we, the church, sit scattered and hurting in a world that is broken. We read the word of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13-21 to 21. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. In his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, and while writing about hope and the pain of losing it, Viktor Frankl related this story that took place in a concentration camp during World War II. A man, a fairly well-known composer, approached Frankl and told him of a dream that he had had. And in the dream, a voice had told him to make a wish for knowledge. And this voice would grant the composer the information that he was searching for, the knowledge that he was seeking When Frankel asked the man what knowledge he had asked for, the man responded that he had asked to know when they would be liberated from the camp. And did you get an answer, pressed Frankel. March 30th, came the whispered reply. Well, as the days and weeks went by and March 30th steadily approached, it became increasingly apparent that it was incredibly unlikely that they would be set free from the concentration camp on March 30th. And when March 29th rolled around, the composer became suddenly ill. On March 30th, he became delirious and lost consciousness. And on March 31st, he was declared dead. By all outward appearances, it looked like this man had died of typhus. But to Frankel and those who know how close the relationship is between the state of mind of a man and the immunity of his body will understand that the sudden loss of hope can have a deadly effect. Hope. Hope is a powerful thing. And we understand that, don't we? In the beginning of March, as as the virus that had once seemed so far away that had been sweeping other parts of the world that had finally landed on our own shores, and as this virus began to make its presence felt, there was a general understanding of the need to flatten the curve to stay in our houses and, and self-quarantine so that the virus wouldn't spread as fast. And we understood that concept and, and that the purpose was to keep our healthcare facilities from being overrun. When I picked my kids up from school on that last Friday, I had thought that they would be out a couple of weeks, probably until like just after Easter break. Then they would be most likely going back to school and the curve would be flattened. But as we all know, that has not been the case. And now school, along with many other aspects of life, including church, has gone online. And every time it looks like we've about come to the finish line and we can start moving things forward, that we've lasted to the, to the next date and, and we can begin to reopen, that we can begin to get back to our lives just a little bit or, or in some form or fashion, then the goalposts get moved again. The date gets pushed back and we are told that we will be flattening this curve for some for quite some time longer. And so we've been making it through we've been dealing with life and we're focused on the light at the end of the tunnel but the tunnel just keeps getting additions. And it becomes depressing. And we're assaulted on all sides by different people, different news sources, different opinions telling us what we should be thinking or believing about reopening, about masks, about the virility of the virus itself. Some tell us that that we are sheep and some tell us that we are being good neighbors. Mixed messages and and deception, they abound, they're they're everywhere. We're, We're told to listen to science, but then there are scientists on either side of the discussion. Do we listen to the loudest voices? Do we listen to the voices that sound better to our ears? There's so much confusion and so many mixed messages and cross signals, it's hard to know who or what to believe. And as we sit here on our couches, doing church at a distance, living our lives at a distance, we wonder whom we can trust. We wonder where we can put our hope. There have been some new uh, CDC findings that have have come out that make the virus look much less deadly. Do do we trust them? Do we put our hope in them? The CDC has been wrong before and will probably be wrong again. I mean, it's run by people, isn't it? They're allowed to be wrong on occasion. It's understandable that that everything isn't always going to be exactly accurate. And so can we put our hope in these new findings? Do we dare? If not the CDC, how, how about the posts? our friends are spamming social media with. What? That that meme is incredibly biased and and that news report doesn't appear to have a factual basis for anything it's stating as fact? You don't say. Speaking of of the news, do, do we hope or do we put our hope in news sources that seem more intent on making us angry at our neighbor than they are at providing factual, reliable information? How can we put our hope in this world how can we place our hope in a place that such horrible and terrible things happen how can i put my hope in a world where a black man can be pulled out of his car after being accused of forgery and have a police officer someone who's supposed to be protecting him kneel on his neck causing death how can that happen in civilized society it's heartbreaking It takes your breath away, the overwhelming evil of this world, the pain and the hardship that some of our brothers and sisters have to face. There are no words to accurately describe or convey the rage and sorrow that the story of what happened to George Floyd brings up in me and should inspire in each of us. There's no excuse. And to know that this isn't an isolated incident? My heart weeps. My heart weeps for my brothers and sisters and my hope breaks. And when hope breaks, destruction follows. Viktor Frankl Frankl witnessed this when the composer's hope broke, and he died shortly after. We are also witnesses to this. We see it in the destruction that started in Minneapolis, and we are seeing has sprung up in other areas around the country as well, Atlanta, LA, Seattle, and more as the day progresses, no doubt. For many, the hope in the system, the system that boldly declares that all men are created equal, has been shattered once again. It keeps breaking and being put back together out of necessity and out of the hope that this time it will stay fixed, only to break once again, and what's left is hurt, betrayal, and destruction. What have you placed your hope in, only to have it shatter and leave you empty, betrayed, hurting, and enraged? Maybe you're a single mother and you found a man that you hoped that you believed would be good to you and your family, only to find yourself chained to another abuser. Maybe you are a married couple and you looked so forward to having a family of your own, but it's just not working out. You put your hope in reproductive technologies, but it's just not working the way that you had hoped, had planned since you were little. Maybe you have a terminal diagnosis, and your hope rests in modern medicine or a particular doctor, but it's, it's not looking good right now. What are you putting your hope in? Doctors? Lovers? Medicine? Your friends? Your family? Your fellow man? The system? And what do you do when your hope is shattered? as I've sat in the reality of understanding why our lives haven't been able to reopen and yet grinding my teeth in the frustration over it, and as I've sat in stunned silence and sadness over the death of George Floyd and the rioting that followed, and as I have been reminded of the things that I have hoped for and then have had taken away from me, the words to Andrew Peterson's song, Is He Worthy?, have been resonating in my head. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. And we can feel it. Man, we have seen it. The darkness of the sinful heart has been on full display. And as we sit in the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of our own hearts, let us rest in the hope that Peter calls the scattered, lonely, and hurting early church to rest in. Let us rest in the hope that does not fail, in the hope that will not be taken away. Let us rest in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Therefore, Peter writes, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Church, where is our hope? Our hope is not found in our doctors or our lovers. It's not found in medicine. It's not found in our friends or family or our fellow man. And it's certainly not found in the system. Though each of those things can bring us a bit of respite from the pain, they can bring us relief. They can be a shelter for a time. They are not where we put our hope. And the answer to our hope is not found in our actions either. It's not found in our works. Our hope is not in what we have earned or in what we have done, but in what Christ has done for us. Our hope, Peter tells us, is to be found solely in the grace of God. This is the hope we rest in. This is the hope that will not fail. This is the hope that will never let us down or betray us. And it is out of this hope that Peter is calling us to live. He urges us to be obedient children, to let the hope of the salvation that we have in Christ transform us so that we are not conforming to the world, not conforming to this place that we live, but that we would exist here as foreigners, as people who do not belong. Be holy, Peter writes. And we tend to think that this means that we need to focus on our personal holiness our personal piety. But really, God is saying that because of He who has declared us to be holy children of God, we can go and give ourselves in the way that Christ has done. It is a far more holy act to serve our neighbor than it is to focus on how holy we ourselves are. It's like what Martin Luther said oh so long ago, God doesn't need your good works, wrote Luther. But your neighbor does. And our neighbor does. This is incredibly clear in the hurt and pain being expressed all over our country. But it extends past standing up against racism. Let us live out the holiness that Christ has given us, the righteousness in which He has covered us. Let us live in it, or let us live it out in service to our neighbor. Through proclaiming the truth of God's word to them, that we would serve them, that we would pray for them, that we would love them, through the power of Christ, may we be little Christs to our neighbor, that God might be glorified, that others might come to rest in the hope that we have in Christ. And we can live this hope, live out this hope boldly, for this hope does not perish or fade, Peter reminds us that so often we try to pay our way with perishable things. Money can get you a lot of things, right? Like, it can get you a lot of awesome stuff. If you're my kids and you have a lot of silver and gold, man, you are hitting up Target and buying all the Legos and and probably a couple video games as well. Money can get you a nice car, a fancy house here on this earth. Money can get you security here. But silver and gold are perishable. They do not hold their value. They're subject to inflation. They wear down. They can be misplaced. They can be stolen. They can be destroyed. And they cannot purchase redemption. They cannot purchase forgiveness. They cannot purchase the hope that will not fade. For Peter writes that we were not redeemed. We were not given this hope because of what we could supply. We were not given this hope because we could afford it. We were not given this hope because we could earn it or deserve it. We aren't given this hope because we tune in every Sunday or because we swear less than some other people that we know. This hope was purchased for us. This hope, this price was paid for us. And it was not purchased with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross for the sins of the world, for your sin and for mine was the price, the cost of our redemption. Christ's work for us paid the price. And the work of Christ, the work of God does not fade. It does not go away. Christ's blood does not lose its potency. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't get flat. It is and will be forever effective. It will not expire. And we can rest In that. We can rest in the finished work of Christ for us for today, for tomorrow, and forever. And as Peter writes, it is not perishable. And what's more, Christ's blood does not lie to us. It doesn't claim to be free, to be a free gift, and then give us a list of things to do to access it or to keep it free. We do not participate in our salvation. Our hope does not rest in what we have done. And what a blessing that is. For there is so much that I have done that would disqualify me from receiving this everlasting, unfading hope. But again, our hope does not rest in what we have done. Instead, it rests in what Christ has done. For as Peter writes, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Through Jesus and because of Jesus we believe in God and so our faith and our hope are in God. And that's just amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. It's fantastic. Our redemption has been purchased for us. Our hope has been purchased for us and purchased in spite of us. It's just incredibly amazing. And Peter tells us to, to sit in awe of us of it. He uses the phrase reverent fear, which is like a, a deep awe. So sit in awe of God's love for you. Sit in awe of his grace and his mercy poured out over you. Be in awe of the hope that he has established and the hope that he has given you. And be astonished at how God is giving you these things despite your inability to earn them or deserve them. As I close the sermon this morning, I thought it would be fitting to look again at Andrew Peterson's song. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy even though life here on earth doesn't look like we would want it to, even though sadness and pain are everywhere? Even though men die when they shouldn't for reasons that are heartbreaking and unbearable? Even though depression and anxiety exist, and even though the darkness here on earth is not receding, but is spreading? Is he worthy? He is. He is. For our hope is not centered on this world. This world will pass away. This world will be made new. No, our hope is not in this world, but is in Christ. Our hope is in the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. For every people and tribe and from every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priests to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? He is. He is. He really, truly is. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the hope that you have purchased for us, for the grace that you have purchased for us, Lord, that you have poured out over us. God, we pray for those who are hurting. We pray for our country. We pray for the the overlooked. We pray for the abused. We pray for those who are suffering with anxiety and depression. We pray for those who are in horrible situations that don't know how to get out. We pray for those who are struggling with addiction. We pray for those who are in darkness, in this broken and hurting world. God, I pray that you would use your church, that you would use us to be lights in the darkness, that we would boldly proclaim the truth of your death and resurrection and what that means, the hope that that brings to all who receive it. God, I just thank you so much for your love and for your mercy and for your grace. May we rest in the hope that we find in you that is rooted and founded in you. God, we pray all of this in the way that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.